For me, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. I see it as forward motion, a means of evolving, a way to reach continuously toward a better self. The journey doesn't end. Michelle Obama Bending, not breaking. The Dragon Prince Edition. Book One, Episode Nine. Wonderstorm. Welcome to episode 9 of Bending Not Breaking, the Dragon Prince edition. Fun fact, I actually meant to record this episode months ago, but life and school happened and here we are. <laughs> Regardless, thank you everyone for joining me for this episode. We are so proudly supported by all of you, our listeners, and we thoroughly appreciate you for sharing this podcast with your friends or anyone you think that might enjoy the show. There is a group of people on Facebook that uh, does enjoy the Dragon Prince and the Avatar universe, and we welcome you to join us in the Bending Not Breaking Facebook group because it is now open to everyone, and we'll hope you'll join us. You can also find us on all the social medias at BNB underscore pod, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So, all right, let's, uh, let's get on with the show, shall we? Today, we are talking about becoming. Our lens is becoming, and I want to share an excerpt from one of my favorite books to lead us into the lens of becoming today. And this is from The Velveteen Rabbit. What is real? asked the rabbit one day, when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender, before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and stick out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, that's when you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily, or have sharp edges, or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off, your eyes drop out, and you... <laughs> get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. Marjorie Williams. My supervisor from many years ago and my now friend read this to us at the very end of a long summer working with children. And we spent all summer, learning to love one another. We were caregiving, crying, teaching, laughing, nurturing, loving, all for these campers. And 
when he read this to us, we all felt more real than we ever had before. It was it was a summer of becoming. It was a a job where we became and formation in the greatest sense of the word was all over the place and it was just really beautiful so becoming for me is about learning to be real and I'm curious to see this in in this episode but but what else becoming is becoming something else also in this episode of the dragon prince so thanks for entertaining my my by quoting someone else for our our centering on the lens but before we dive into the actual content of the episode we have to recap and i say we because unfortunately i have to recap and you get to enjoy my my attempt but uh, i'm gonna do my best and here we go so Ezrin can talk to animals, but no one believes him, and Callum especially doesn't believe him, and Rayla tries to believe him, and then Sora and Claria joke around, the moon arcanum happens, and then, you know, Rayla goes to fight something scary, finds a mummy illusion, lots of spider webs around, giant spider, ah, my worst nightmare. Ezrin saves the day, because, you know, he can hear animals. And then Soren's all about climbing a mountain and, and all that mountain air and then inhales Claudia's fart. And then Callum does the jerk face dance because Ezra was right. And then they find Lujan and realize everything was an illusion, scared, and the dragon's going to die. And then Callum breaks the promise stone to create a storm. And then the egg hatches in the lightning strike. And then Azamondius and then Zim for short, bites off Rayla's breakfast, and then brace, bracelet, not breakfast, and then Sword and Claudia find buggies and make it to the top of the track of the dragon, and then they're tra- tracking them, and then they notice the magic, and then it only seems like Mujan is worried, and then Viren is like, wahaha, evil face. Okay. I did it as fast as I can. It takes a long time to get through a whole episode, and you know, I I'm, I'm also don't have any like accountability of like someone stopping me, so uh, 30 seconds is a reach. Okay. Anyway, I did my best. Here we are. So, as we are all well aware, we have our top five moments for the lens next. Our top five moments begins with Ezrin. Because, talk about becoming. And so, I'm curious about this. Who is Ezrin becoming when Callum and Rayla, the people he looks up to and is intimate with in this in this group like like when they don't believe him about being able to talk to animals and it seems like he's even tried to tell Callum before and he got shot down so he's trying again and attempting it again and it just reminds me of having something that's so true that other people just can't come to grips with and I find that to be so prevalent nowadays it's just it's an analogy for everything. It's an analogy for sharing the truth about uh, wearing a mask or getting the vaccine or all kinds of things. It's the truth about like coming out of the closet, right? It's when it's the truth about admitting that you've been abused and people don't believe you. And there's just so many narratives where truth is is so hard to share when the people closest to you don't believe you or when you think they won't believe you. And the fact that Ezrin has tried this, been shot down, and is now trying again just shows how courageous 
he is. But when I think about it in terms of becoming, Ezrin speaking up and having the courage to say something and then not to be believed, it just, you know, it really reminds me of a podcast um, on shame that was on the liturgists, but the primary uh, speaker was Hillary McBride, and she's a psychologist who I just love every word that she says. <laughs> she's really great. Um, so Hillary McBride talks about how we are formed by uh, we like we are looking in the mirror, but we never actually truly see our own face. Right? There's nothing we can do to see our own face. We can take a picture of ourselves, but that's an image of our face. We can look in the mirror, but again, that's an image of our face. And when we're constantly surrounded by other people who, if we metaphorically uh, kind of assert that other people are mirrors of who we are, they reflect back to us our true nature. And when someone who is close to us reflects and says that, hey, you know, we are ugly, or hey, we are less than, or hey, I don't believe you, we start to believe it. And that's not always true, but when enough people are doing that, we become like all these people have an effect on our neurobiology. And when that image of ourselves is tainted or broken, right, they're reflecting back a broken image or an incomplete image because they don't see who we really are, we start to believe the things that we see in those mirrors. And I just, I wonder what it would be like to have someone, I mean, I, I do know what it's like now, I guess, to have someone reflect back to you the truth and to reflect back to you what is good within you and so that you see it and you can nurture it and you can believe that you're worthy of love and belonging. And I just, I wonder how long Ezrin has struggled with trying to share this and get it off his chest and what that has done to who he has become and what he chooses to reserve and hold on to and, and not to, to share. And I wonder what that does to all of us. It's, Something that I really recommend checking out if you want to learn more about that metaphor, Hilary McBride on The Liturgists and the episode about shame. Um, but yeah, I just, I wonder who we become when we are not believed <clears throat> and how that shapes us. Okay, and now I want to kind of go adjacent to, for my second moment, uh, to this moment where <laughs> Rayla, like, so tries to believe him and says, like the opposite of Callum. Callum gets sarcastic, he gets annoyed, he gets frustrated. And Rayla is like, listen, this is kind of difficult to believe, but I, w I want to. Can you explain it to me? And what she says is, Ezrin, you have a good heart. It's super annoying. <laughs> and I wonder if having Ezrin around, having someone who is being courageous in the spite of people not believing him, I wonder if that is forming Rayla and helping her become something more, more aligned with her values, perhaps, because of Ezrin. And so it's interesting how they're in that conversation because Callum, I'm sorry, Ezrin is being, definitely being formed 
by Callum and Rayla and their relationship with Ezrin, but also Rayla is being formed and is also becoming because of Ezrin, right? We, we, I don't think we realize how much of an influence we have on one another, even when there is an age gap or even when there is a, a power dynamic difference, perhaps. I, I think that we can all become if we allow ourselves, if we, uh, and we can become more aware of it if we start asking this question, like, who is shaping me? Because I think that everyone's being shaped by one another in the dragging, and I find it really compelling to, to consider that. Three, my number three. Okay, so they are climbing into this unknown, scary place for the sake of, of potential, right? For the sake of what could be, of what could uh, <laughs> become of their success. And I, I find that seeing the potential in things allows us to grow into something more, right? Rather than not seeing potential, then like, why would you ever drive towards that, right? You're, it's, it will never become if you don't see the potential within it. Um, which is like, is indifference potentially the opposite of that? So like, if I'm indifferent, if I don't see, if I just don't care, then is, is that going to become the same way? And, and I think, I don't know. I, I think my answer is no, but I just, I find it really interesting here to think about, right? Like seeing the potential in people allows us to, to grow and become into what that potential could be. It's kind of, it's going back to that mirror thing. If, if someone's reflecting what I could be and sees who I could be, then I can see it and I can aim towards it, right? Like it's, it's, it's really beautiful. One of the things we talk about with, when I was working with children uh, in a summer camp setting is there's like four tiers of like types of compliments, right? The, there's a level one compliment, which is like, hey, good job which is not specific at all. It's not very helpful because it's in one ear and out the other. People don't remember that good job. Um, it can be um, fleetingly helpful in terms of helping someone grow and become, but it doesn't really show them why they were good, right? And so we want to be more specific. So like, hey, good job for picking up that piece of trash, which is like, okay, that's level two. Level two, you've been specific. You said, good job. You marked and positively said that this behavior is good. That's level two. Level three is, hey, thank you for being responsible. That was a really, that was really awesome of you to pick up that piece of trash. And so now we're being specific and we're attaching a character trait to the action, to the behavior so that they can start to see that, okay, if I want to be seen as responsible, I can pick up trash. And that's just, again, we're using this as a, a small example. Um, and then we can go even further. Level four, nurturing the potential of a compliment, right? And uh, when someone picks up a piece of trash, we can say, hey, wow, that was really responsible of you for picking up that piece of trash. You know who's really responsible? Doctors are really responsible. You could be a really awesome doctor one day if you wanted to be. And what this involves is, one, you need to know the child a little bit, right? You can, um, if especially if you know what they want to become, you can start saying, hey, man, you want to be an astronaut. Did you know that like astronauts are really responsible? And when you picked up that piece of trash, you're showing behavior that would allow you to become 
on a really cool astronaut. And so that's really neat. And so what we do is we nurture the potential by saying, hey, this is a behavior that this thing that you want to become has. Let me nurture that within you. And so that's a level four compliment. And I, I, I just want to say, what would it be like if we, rather than saying, hey, good job, we amped up our game and stepped up our game to level up our compliments? So I just, I want to, I want to point that out for you. What would it be like? Okay. So I, again, seeing the potential, I think helps us become and them climbing up this mountain. That's seeing potential. That's seeing potential in their success. And I think it's really beautiful. Okay. Number four, number four, number four, number four, having the foresight of knowing where Claudia and Soren are heading after seasons two and three. It just makes me so sad to see how the actions they're taking now are steps in that direction. And I guess this is something that only we might see. Like, we can see the red flags in their behavior. We can't see where they're becoming unless we've gone ahead, right? Unless we've seen the future, which we kind of have this um, godlike ability to see what's coming because we know what's coming. We've seen the future. We are seeing them inside and outside of time and rewatching this, having that foresight of knowing how Claudia and Soren will end up makes me, it just makes me so sad to know that these are the actions that, that are paving the way towards their inevitable future. And I, I think that there are several moments that could have prevented this. Uh, and, I, and I'm curious in terms of becoming, right? In terms of becoming, like, when I am on a path, what are the steps I can take to change course, right? Because I don't necessarily believe in one fate, right? I don't necessarily believe that this is, this is the one way it's supposed to happen. And I think that there are actions we can take. We have the free will and the capacity to make decisions that can alter our path. And I think that I, I wonder if Soren and Claudia had been given level four compliments for their behaviors on, you know, certain things, would they have had the the sense of worthiness? Would they have had the awareness of themselves and who they could become and their potential? And would that awareness allow them to stand their ground and say no to Viren? Or would it allow them to be more compassionate towards Rayla? Or so many different things, right? I just, I see all these decisions being made and it, it just makes me sad. And I, and I feel like I see that in, in friends. I remember seeing people making decisions that I would never make, but also like, who am I to judge? And so it's this, it's this weird balance of saying, of finding that line of making sure that I'm not being a judgy friend, but also saying, hey, I care for you. And I think that this is a decision that you'll regret later on. And knowing when it's okay and when it's not okay to have that conversation. But that's that's my fourth one with Claudia and Soren. And finally, my my final number five moment of belonging, I'm sorry, becoming, is with 
Asimondius or Zim. And I find it fascinating that Zim comes out of this egg knowing his name. And I'm curious, was th- was he given this name and in the egg and he remembers it? Was... Because we, we know that he was kind of sentient from, at least it, to some extent, from, from Ezrin being able to understand its its situation. But also, Zim comes out knowing his own name, so maybe he names himself. And there there's a lot of ways to kind of think about this. And when you know who you are, and you can, like names have power, right? When you know who you are and how you want to be called, it just reminds me of people who are misgendered at birth and grow up knowing that they are not the gender that they have been assigned and it's fascinating to to think about that and how people try to become what people have told them to be when really they know in their heart and they know over time that, that that is not who they are and they want to be and grow into something new and different and or rather something that has been true all along and i find it really interesting that zim can come into the world knowing his name and ezrin can hear it and understand it right because if ezrin hadn't had that language they would have named him something else and it may not have been zim and i just i find it really fascinating that this communication allows Ezrin and allows the team to call Zim by his true name, by his given name, by either his his name that he he wants or the name that he was assigned by his mother that he wants to keep and hold on to. I don't know. It's just, it's really beautiful to think about how we can become when people validate and when people validate who we are and see who we are and reflect who we are back to us. I just, I find that to be really beautiful. So moral of the story for me that I'm, I'm kind of hearing is that we, I, we want validation. We want people reflecting back unto us, not just our mistakes that, so that we can become better, but in our flaws, we want people to reflect back to us the potential of who we can become and not to gatekeep what that becoming looks like. That's, I think that's one of my takeaways for today. I think one, one last thing, one question I'll ask, because I'm curious, is what, what led Zim to bite off the bracelet? And I, and I wonder how much of their conversation over the course of this, this trip that Zim understood in terms of Rayla and Callum and Ezrin talking with one another. I wonder if Zim knew how much this was paining Rayla and he just was like, I can do that for you. And I don't know. I'm curious. What, what are your thoughts on why Zim bites off the bracelet? I'm, I'm okay with the how in terms of the, the magic of, of dragons, but I'm, I'm really, I'm not sure why and what led that led to that. But I'm curious to hear your take. If you're, if you have a take on it, uh, I'd love to hear it. You can send a voicemail to thearcofe at gmail.com. Okay, we're going to take a musical interlude, and then we're going to come back with our final two segments.
it's time for our Lens MVP. Lens MVP. Uh, we should have a song. What do you think? You want to compose a song? Send it to us at thearcv at gmail.com. <laughs> okay. So I, I, the MVP for me today is Ezrin. And I, I mean, I talked about it earlier, but it's just so hard not to shrink or puff up when you're growing and people are telling you that you're wrong. <laughs> and, and Ezrin just stands his ground and he's courageous and it's beautiful. And I'm such a fan of, of that. And I just, I really just kind of sink into this wanting to be a little bit more like Ezrin. And just as Rayla is kind of formed by Ezrin, I, I find myself being formed by him as well. And so I just, ah, oh, it's beautiful. So thank you, Ezrin, for giving us this. It's, it's not my gratitude, but even though I am grateful for Ezrin too, it's just, I find it really beautiful. And so this is my nomination. I'd love to hear yours. Who would you like to nominate? Send us a voicemail. You can uh, remember, follow us on uh, BNB underscore pod on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Tweet us your nomination. Give us an explanation. Tell us all about it. And that leads us to our final segment, which is gratitude. And gratitude is the best. So I am grateful for Callum. I haven't talked about the jerk face dance at all this episode, but I, I can't talk about this episode without talking about the jerk face dance at least once because it is the coolest thing and Callum does it and has the capacity to do so after being such a jerk it's aptly named I guess and it's just it's really humbling to to be so willing to admit you were wrong and then to sit in that long enough to do the jerk face I can just I can see myself being such a jerk about losing and now that i like i i like doubling down on the wrong thing and i just i really just admire callum for yes he was a jerk but he was so willing to admit he was wrong after he learned new information and i just i think it's really beautiful and this is something that i aspire to to learn to to sink to this and be like, yep, I was wrong. I am willing to pay the price. And here is my jerk face dance. And I just, I wonder what it would be like if we all were, were willing to do the dance a little bit more. Okay. That's my gratitude. Remember social medias, you can please support us on Patreon. We would uh, really appreciate a few more people there that would make a, so that we could continue this uh, in good conscience. Um, but if you can't financially, that's okay. Just know that we, we do appreciate it. And you can find us on Patreon at BNB underscore pod as well. And remember, all of our patrons get cool stuff, right? You can uh, help us choose lenses for episodes. You can get episodes early. We do live episodes. We have some bonus content every now and then. So all in all, we appreciate you. And I want to thank the Ark of E for hosting this podcast. Alex Mayfield, Noah Blanchard, Kira Martin, and Max Gongaware. And until next time, be well and do good. Mm-hmm.